Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here to talk about Lud Denny, who departed now, but burned brightly while he was here, really put football cards on the map, and old friend Bill Chandler and Mike Conroy, my friends, I saw him every year in Hawaii for many years, had a lot of interactions with Lud. It's mainly Bill and I talking about positive reminiscences of a complicated guy, but thanks. Panini Tops, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hardy's Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's a conversation between Bill and me with Mike in the background talking about Ludd and his impact on the industry and football cards and hockey cards. It was undeniable. Hope you'll enjoy some of the old stories, and thanks for listening. You're buddies with John Bellow, right? John and I are friends. I just talked to him yesterday. He just had a gallbladder operation, but he said it was pretty easy. He lives a pretty good life in Phoenix. He sold Sobe, the com- company started, for $350 million, And then he thought about buying an NFL franchise, but he never did. But he goes to Rye, New York, back where he's from, and uh, he's doing good. I've talked to him about sports cards. And, of course, he and Lev Denny had a big impact back in 1989 and 90. On the entire hobby. Ludd gets a lot of the credit or the blame for that, but John Bell, it wouldn't have happened without John Bella. John Bella was the decision maker at NFL properties, and, right. and he made the NFL hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Uh, but it was Ludd that flew to New York every week and went up to Bella's office and threw ideas at him. He had a business called the Armchair Quarterback that he got licensed for. And that went broke. It didn't do any good. So Bello felt sorry for him. And he said, let's try to find some venue how you can make money. I think it was Bello that came up with the idea of ProSet. And Ludd took off with it. Of course, he was based in Dallas. He was an ex-Braniff pilot. And uh, he was an oil man. Now, Ludd was a gambler. He, he burned the, very bright. He was a promoter. He was a marketer. And he wanted to maximize sales. And that's exactly what that category needed. It's tough to run a company when you're producing so much and the sell-through, but you're running way ahead of your sell-through. I, I was introduced to him in 89. Uh, I think he made $60 million in his first year with ProSet. They just hit the card market like a tornado. He wanted cards in everyone's hands. He wanted it at a, at a low price. Everybody, every... Grocery store, every 7-Eleven, every gas station had the cards. But like I said, he, he had maximal distribution, but it, ultimately it's got to go to that end user. And there was a lot of competition in those days. It was a popularly priced product. That's football. And football was not as hot now. It's really out there, but that was unusual to have football so produced even more than baseball. What Bello did was uh, he expanded the franchise base, the uh, license base for cards in football. It used to be Topps had a complete monopoly, and Bello expanded it. He went with Upper Deck. Uh, he uh, he went with seven different licensees yeah. and just blew out the card market. But it's the opposite of what we have now, which is one licensee per sport. The seven, it got up to. 11 or 13 in the early 90s. Basically, it wasn't sustainable, but it sure put football cards on the map. Thanks to John Bello and Lud Denny. Well, Lud was actually a genius in his own, and, and Bello was a marketing expert. And Bello had a great marketing history. He was with NFL Properties for 17 years. That combination of John Bello and Lud Denny just took off. We did the Pro Bowl album in 1991. I flew back to Dallas and met with Lud in 1990. 
In 91, Lud said, let's do a Pro Bowl album. So we put together the first Pro Bowl album, and it was Lud that pushed that. Yeah. Lud never had an idea he didn't like, because if it had the basis of some idea that he could work it, he could market it. He was frenetic. You're right. Lud was tenacious. The thing about Lud was, once he got with someone that could make decisions like Bella, he presented these ideas. One of them was the Great Western Press in Dallas. NFL went in and they bought the Great Western Press. When they did that, that gave them the printing press to make money. And as you well know, they produced everything. They did cards for soccer in Europe. They did NBA cards that they would print for anyone. Did you ever go into that? Yeah, very involved after Bud. But that was probably the cash cow, the enduring cash cow, as you were saying. But because you get paid, although maybe they didn't get paid for some of these sets that were distributed and, and came back on returns. But again, that's an infrastructure play in the business that's, I think, been an excellent, enduring situation over all these decades now. But Ludd was a get-rich-quick guy. Whenever I met with him, he sized me up pretty quick that I was a get-rich-slow guy. <laughs> and so <laughs> I listened to his ideas, I'd smile. And I'd say, you go for it. Bill, I have one question about Ludd, as long as we're on that topic. For a guy that was so creative and driven in a certain way and just really had a pace of life that was amazing, why did he uh, take better care of himself health-wise? He would just push the limit. And he couldn't stop eating. And when he was younger, he was thin and dynamic, and he got heavy. And the weight, obviously, is what killed him in later years. But he had a heck of a brain, and his weight never made him shy or never made him conscious of it. No, he just would take, he would go first class to New York and would get two seats. No, I think he used it as part of his shtick. He was memorable, and he was larger than life, and see it literally and figuratively. John Bellow sent him over here one year in '93, and I looked up, and there was Lud knocking on our door, and I said. I said, Lud, why are you coming over here? And he goes, John Bellow told me to come over and you have the license for POGS and ProSet's having trouble financially. I thought I could maybe make a comeback with, with POGS. I wanted to see if you want to go in partners and use your license and use my marketing expertise, get with Bellow, and we could make a fortune in POGS. That didn't come to happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> maybe it was a mistake on my part. Yeah. We went with a company called Classic and signed a deal with them. They produced tonks, tonk. classic tonks that sank like a rock. I'm reluctant to criticize doers in this industry, people that are out there trying things. Not everything's going to work. There's a lot of people who just want to criticize people that are taking chances. Like I said, I think Lud Net really helped grow this industry. Unfortunately, he's not around to participate, and he made some mistakes, but he sure was throwing things out there and bunch of innovation that really took things to the next level. The legacy of Lud's pretty amazing. I agree with you. The hobby should be very grateful to him. He put the hobby on the fast track. A lot of guys didn't like it because there was little value to each ProSet card, but the ProSet cards were some of the most beautiful, well-made cards there were. If you look back in the Pro Bowl programs of those years, we used the official card of the NFL and they put them in the programs. Even today, Trevor Lawrence rookie card is a ProSec card. Did you notice that? 
I did, yeah. Somebody must have bought ProSet. I don't know how they did that. The guy that maybe acquired it out of bankruptcy kept it alive with some minimal activity to preserve the trademark or the copyrights. Then the Leaf, Brian Gray, acquired it, kept pestering the guy, and finally the guy sold it to him. So that's how we're seeing Trevor Lawrence uh, ProSet cards. Didn't they have to get the approval of the NFL to do that, though? They did it before he was a member of the PA. He's not affiliated with the team. They're not showing any team marks. And until he signs a contract, no group licensing rights. Some of the iconic cards in the hobby are basketball cards right now. If there hadn't been a Lud Denny and a Pro Set football, the Fleer basketball cards in the late 80s were not popular at all. But Ludd, through football and then hockey, basketball got caught up in that groundswell. We have Ludd also, in part, to thank for the explosion in basketball card collecting and those Fleer and Star Company sets from the 80s. All of a sudden, because we started doing a basketball magazine, we'd done a football magazine. Like I said, I don't think that would have happened unless there had been this mass distribution and mass promotion of football cards. Explain to me again the division of labor between Bellow and and Ludd, because John well, Bellow was a decision maker, and John uh, Bellow is an amazing guy. Pulled the trigger on it, but yeah, Ludd was he, he, hands and feet. Yeah, it was a partnership. John Flood's thrown in there too. He was vice president right. of NFL properties and attorney, but Bellow was the decision maker. He carried a lot of clout within the NFL. As you will know, the NFL properties is separate from the league, and the league actually owns NFL properties. They were the stepchild, and the league and Roger Goodell, used to be Paul Tagliabue, carried the stick, and they run the operation. Bellow ran the marketing part with a team. He developed a phenomenal team of marketing experts that he drew together. They came up with a quarterback club. They came up with all sorts of sponsors with Visa, and they expanded and made a lot of money for the NFL. So that gave Bellow the clout to do what he did, like buy Great Western Press. So he met up with Ludd, and when Ludd, on his weekly trips back to New York City, they would sit down and have lunch and put together different ideas. Ludd would throw out 10 ideas. Bellow would take one of them. And the two had a joint chemistry that worked. It absolutely worked. Bellow is really smart, but Ludd takes more chances. Ludd was the gambler. He's a wildcatter, they say around here. Hey, that's that's uh, what he did in the oil business. He was an wildcatter in the well business. Exactly. The business. Now, now, one name that doesn't get a lot of publicity, a West Coast guy, I think, is Peter Uberoth. You know how in 84, it, he's the first yeah, one to modernize the marketing promotion of the Olympics. That predates this, the league and sports marketing really became a big thing at that point because the the Olympics were as big as it gets. Bellow and and Ludd, were they looking at that and saying, hey, these corporate sponsors will pay big bucks to be associated with a brand like the Olympics or like the NFL? That's a good point. Bellow's a real brand guy. He came from Pepsi in the old days, but maybe Ubroth did do that. Maybe he set an example, but uh, can you imagine if uh, Bellow and Ludd and Ubroth had gotten together in 84? That would have been a force. The thing is, the Olympics are only every four years. 84 Olympics, wasn't that the first one to make a profit? That's the reason, because they had all these huge corporate sponsors and the TV money and, and all this stuff. We are blessed to have 
observed and participated in that perfect storm that really blazed a new trail. The uh, irresistible force that was able to bring a lot of those key decision makers to the trade show, which up to that point had been pretty sleepy and a lot of fun, but just preaching to the choir. And all of a sudden it got to the next level and we had Major League Baseball uh, Player Association and properties there, football, basketball, hockey, all the card companies were coming. They had to be there and Kit created that. He got to meet people that they would never meet before. And influence them to some degree where the leagues and the licensing entities could get to know real dealers, real collectors and hear without without it being translated or summarized for them. They got to meet real people that were in the category and vice versa. Everybody that was there, I think, came away with something. It just was a trade show that worked. And the card companies and the leagues would compete to not necessarily throw the biggest party, but to try to win market share. Remember what they did, Jim? They would bring in people like Joe Namath, or they'd bring in Magic Johnson, Pete Rose, Dr. J. It was phenomenal, the people that they brought. And everyday people like us and other hobby guys got to meet these people. Ozzy Smith. But wasn't that one of the most unique trade shows in the whole country at that time? It was the best. It wasn't huge. It wasn't huge. So you really could get to know the people. Being in Hawaii, not everybody was ready to fork over the money to fly there and stay there for a week. But those who did really had a great experience and left with booty. Our company, in the early years, I just went. And then when it got bigger, we'd have a, a whole team go. It was not a vacation because it was work, but it was a lot of fun. And people wanted to go. It's, Please send me. It was a week. It was two weeks after Pro Bowl, usually. And uh, yeah, right, right. Let, let Benny came to me and goes, Bill, because you work on Pro Bowl, why don't you get with Kit Young and have the show around Pro Bowl? I went to Kit and I said, Kit, I talked to Lud and we were thinking maybe we could do this around Pro Bowl. And Kit goes, nope, won't happen. He goes, we're going to just stay individual after the Pro Bowl. It's going to be the Kit Young show. It's not going to be the Pro Bowl show. Kit was smart because it actually worked out better that way. And the NFL didn't control his show. Exactly. The man in the house.